Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Monday, September 19th. Coming up, a proposed solar farm in eastern Kansas could be the largest in the state, but the project is pitting neighbor against neighbor. It it has devastated this entire community. It has killed long-term relationships, family relationships, connections, niceties, you know. Plus, some Midwest states lack obvious tourism destinations, like a major city or national landmark, and they have to fight preconceptions about flyover country. They were almost like knee-jerk responses. No fun, flat and boring landscape, nothing to do, blah, 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 blah. How some Midwestern states are getting creative in their marketing toward potential visitors. But first, some headlines. Former Kansas City, Kansas police detective Roger Golubsky is due back in federal court this afternoon, just days after his arrest for allegedly sexually assaulting two women. The Midwest Newsroom's Steve Vakrat has more. The FBI arrested Golubsky last week on civil rights charges stemming from alleged sexual assaults against two women 20-plus years ago. Federal prosecutors late on Friday filed a motion arguing that Golubsky is too dangerous to be let out on bond. The memo laid out in graphic detail how during his decades as an officer, Golubsky engaged in a pattern of preying on vulnerable women and made violent threats if they told anybody about what happened. Golubsky's attorney says the now-retired detective has serious health problems, including the need for dialysis about every other day because of his failing kidneys. For the first time in decades, Kansans are significantly less likely to have health insurance than the U.S. population overall. Rose Conlin of the Kansas News Service reports that's despite special pandemic programs designed to keep people insured. The federal government took broad steps to keep people on Medicaid rolls and make marketplace health insurance more affordable. New census data shows that led to a drop in uninsured Americans nationwide, but not in Kansas. The programs helped more Kansans get and stay on public health insurance, but job-based coverage dropped a lot. Gideon Lukens is with the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. You could look at this as saying that the Medicaid continuous coverage provision very likely prevented an increase in the uninsured rate in Kansas. That program could end as soon as October. And then an estimated 383,000 people in states like Kansas that have not expanded Medicaid likely won't have access to health insurance they can afford. More cities are looking to make big investments in solar power to combat climate change, but that raises the heated question of where exactly to build a solar farm large enough. KCUR's Carlos Moreno reports on how one such project is splintering communities outside Kansas City. Frank Geringer rides a flatbed trailer towards rows of apple trees loaded with galas, crimson crisps, and other varieties ready for the picking. His family owns this bucolic orchard and berry farm outside Edgerton, Kansas. Just beyond its borders lie 2,000 acres of land targeted as the location for the state's first utility-scale solar farm. To really look at them, it's not a heck of a lot different than looking at an orchard or a vineyard, really. It's just rows of panels. They're harvesting sun, same thing I'm doing. I mean, all of agriculture sells the sunshine. For years, the Florida-based company Next Era Energy Resources has been exploring a solar farm spanning Johnson and Douglas counties. But it wasn't until this spring that the two county commissions passed regulations allowing the process to move forward. If built, 
The West Gardner Project would be the largest in Kansas, generating 320 megawatts, enough to power thousands of buildings. But not everyone agrees that's a good thing. While some people are eager for Kansans to fully embrace renewable energy, many don't want the countryside, their countryside, turned into industrial sprawl. It, it has devastated this entire community. It has killed long-term relationships, family relationships, connections, niceties, you know. Carrie Brandon lives in Johnson County near the proposed farm. She remains skeptical of nearly all facets of Next Era's plan. It just feels like it's all interconnected. The big boys club going on and girls club because and it's all all behind the scenes. Brandon and her group, Kansans for Responsible Solar, argue the process is moving too fast and they would rather see a smaller, more restricted solar farm first. Because keep in mind, this is new. This is all new. Never in the history of mankind have we ever blanketed populations with 2,000, 3,000 acres of utility-scale solar. Solar companies say they need to build farms this size to produce enough electricity for urban areas and store energy for peak demand periods. And the farms need to be close enough to their customers to efficiently deliver it. Utility-scale solar farms are already being constructed near cities like Houston, Texas and Pueblo, Colorado. Kansas City is even talking about building an up to 3,000-acre installation near the airport. Those explanations aren't convincing Dan Fuller, who owns Whitetail Run Winery in Edgerton. Fuller says he's researched different green technologies and has considered adding solar panels to his own buildings. But when you have a huge company coming in and doing this stuff behind everybody's back, and I've been in business long enough to know that any company that's a business has a bottom line. Fuller has a list of concerns about a project this big. Soil erosion, noise from the battery storage, chemical applications, and property values. Because you cannot tell me that if somebody's hunting for a place to build a house, that they're going to drive around and they're going to say, oh, I want to build a house right next to that solar farm. Those are beautiful panels. Karen Willie sat on the planning commission that passed the solar farm regulations in Douglas County. She says the public needs to take responsibility for the increasing amount of electricity it's consuming. That means moving away from reliance on fossil fuels that are causing climate change. And it's hard. It's, change is hard. And um, the only alternative to that, though, is to continue with the, you know, the, the environmental devastation that comes with coal. Next Era has yet to formally submit an application to start building the West Gardner Solar Project. The company says it's examining the new frameworks in Johnson and Douglas counties and will hold public meetings to talk directly with community members. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Carlos Moreno. As the weather cools, many are wrapping up their summer vacations. Chicago and the Great Lakes attract visitors to the Midwest, but states without obvious destinations have to get more creative. Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rember explores how some states are promoting unexpected activities to lure tourists. It's a bright August day on the Elkhorn River in southeast Nebraska. People are getting ready for a very Nebraskan way of spending a summer Saturday. They're about to float down the river, in livestock water tanks. They call it tanking. To get started, you push the tank into the river. 
So these are cattle tanks. Then, you and your friends climb onto patio chairs balanced inside the tank, which is about eight feet across. It's hours of sunshine, river views, and beverages. Believe it or not, tanking is something Nebraska advertises to potential visitors. It goes hand in hand with its tourism slogan, Nebraska. Honestly, it's not for everyone. Other states in the Midwest and Great Plains, like Iowa and Kansas, also lean on quirky treasures to counteract, well, attitudes of what there is to do in the heartland. The work is cut out for them. When Nebraska Tourism Director John Ricks surveyed folks on what they thought of the state, he said it got a bit rude. They were almost like knee-jerk responses. No fun, flat and boring landscape, nothing to do, blah, 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 blah. Iowa and Kansas have to combat similar beliefs. And those perceptions make it even more important to stand out above the typical stock images of friends laughing in a bar or trekking up a trail. Rick says those types of amenities are the baseline. You've got to have those things. You don't see hotels advertising. I don't think they ever advertise this. I hope they never advertise this. Clean sheets. you gotta, you got to have that. Beyond that, Iowa, Kansas, and Nebraska try to set themselves apart and appeal to travelers who want to explore and discover. Jessica O'Reilly is with Iowa's tourism office. We're just trying to rise above the level of sameness that a lot of tourism spots are. They all start to kind of look the same. So we really wanted to find a way to break through that clutter. Iowa advertises its showy state fair, which boasts the famous butter cow sculpture. The state also highlights its biking pads and the Field of Dreams baseball diamond. Kansas promotes working ranches that moonlight as bed and breakfasts and its endless sunflower fields. And don't forget about the brisket, says Kansas Tourism Director Bridget Job. Our barbecue, uh, it stands up to any other barbecue anywhere. And, you know, everybody has their favorite place. And we will fight for that. And I love that. It's one of those things that makes Kansas very special. It's easier to market Midwestern destinations like Chicago or the Ozarks, which have instant recognition. But the tourism directors say, where's the fun in that? After all, when you spend years as the least likely state for people to visit like Nebraska did, you can only go up. And the directors say the offbeat marketing works to draw in visitors. Jessica O'Reilly in Iowa says once people start exploring the state, they're not talking about flyover country anymore their eyes get opened and they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. There was all this stuff hiding right here and I just never knew about it. So that's our challenge, right, is to present Iowa in a new light. Of course, the pandemic devastated tourism everywhere. But there's a real silver lining for states with wide open spaces that give people a chance to get off Zoom, get into nature, and stay away from large crowds. That's a perfect description of the Midwest, Kansas's Bridget Job says. And Midwesterners shouldn't be shy about it. It's okay for us to tell others how wonderful we are. It's just not in our nature to do so. We know we're a great state. We just have never had that ability or that desire to proclaim that to the rest of the world. And we're trying to change that. So take it from the marketers. Push through Midwest modesty to brag about wide open spaces and even unconventional things like tanking. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Elizabeth Rempert. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including KCUR. It reports on food systems, agriculture, and rural issues.
This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Carlos's story about the West Gardner Solar Farm and Elizabeth's story about Midwest tourism, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local and regional news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Kansas City Today keeps our communities informed. So does KCUR's daily news email, The Early Bird. It delivers the top headlines of the day right to your inbox every weekday at 6 a.m. You can subscribe at kcur.org slash early bird.